السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين يقص الحق وهو خير الفاصلين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسالة الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد أبوم ألكم تو أبريبادي تو the tenth session of our series of Islam's greatest personalities and last week we spoke about the life of Prophet Idris alayhi salam and this week we have part one of the story of Prophet Nuh alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam is referred to as the Shaykh al-Anbiya the Shaykh of all the Prophets because he was obviously he had such a long life because of him having such a lengthy life and <clears throat> regarding Nuh alayhi salam, he had many attributes, many qualities, which were very unique. One thing we find, he had an unshakable resolve. Uh, azm, al-azm al-musammam. An unshakable resolve. Nobody could shake him from his mission. And his unswerving patience, being patient for that many years without swerving, Okay, we, we, if somebody's challenged, if we're being challenged, we can be patient for one day, for two days, for three days, for one year, for two years. But for 950 years, to be patient and tolerant, so it's unswerving patience. And then we find the unflappable courage that he had, that despite having so many enemies and them being in the minority for so many years, his himma, his courage, his passion to spread the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it be daytime, nighttime, loudly, quietly, openly, secretly, going individually to people, going collect, he, it, nothing stopped him. Nothing stopped him. And his unbreakable trust and reliance in Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his unwavering conviction in the promise of Allah. So these are some of the amazing attributes of Prophet Nuh alayhi salam which we will see in the story insha'Allah. So who was Nuh alayhi salam? So Nuh alayhi salam, Nuh is the son of Lamik, who was the son of Muttushlik, who was the son of Khanukh. Now those of you here, last week, which is most of you, if you can remind me who is Khanukh? Who was Khanukh? I'm sure there was some other homework pending as well from last week. Oh yeah, the, seven, the prophets in the seven heavens. We'll, 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 we'll come back to that later on at the end, inshallah, if there's time. Who was Khanukh? Which prophet did we speak about last week? Prophet Idris alayhi salam. And we said in the Torah, he is referred to as Khanukh. That's why in English, when you have Idris next to it, you have Enoch. He always says Enoch. And that's where it comes from. The Hebrew version of the name of Idris salam is Khanukh. So Nuh salam is a son of Lamik, who is the son of Muttushlik, who is the son of Khanukh. So what is Nuh? How was the relation between Nuh salam and Idris salam? Hmm? So what, 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 what do we call that? Yeah, great grandson. Okay great-grandson and Idris like we spoke last week Idris alayhi salam is the son of Yarid who is the son of Mahlail who is the son of Qanin Qainin sorry who is the son of Unush who is the son of Sheath alayhi salam and who is the son of Prophet Adam alayhi salam so this is the lineage of Prophet Nuh alayhi salam as mentioned by the historians now we know that between Adam alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam, there were 10 centuries. How many years is that? 1,000 years between Nuh alayhi salam and Adam alayhi salam. Where do we get this from? We get this from the hadith. Abu Umama radiallahu ta'ala anhu, 
he narrates that a man he asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Ya Rasulullah, a nabiyun kana Adam was? You know, we always speak about Adam, the first man. Was he even a prophet?" This is what somebody asked because everybody knows Adam, even the people who are not religious. Everybody speaks about it. So the way he asked him, was he a prophet? And the Prophet said, Naam, mukallam. He was a prophet. Allah spoke to him. He, was, he, he received revelation, the Sahai from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then he asked, Fakam kana baynahu wa baynanu. How many years were there between Adam alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam? And the Prophet said, Asharatu qurun. 10 centuries. And this has been reported by Imam Ibn Hibban in his Sahih. Similarly, we have another hadith which has been narrated by Imam Hakim and others also that Ibn Abbas who says, Adam kulluhum islam So there's a little bit of addition here which is very interesting to note and it's relevant to what we're going to discuss now. Ibn Abbas who says, between Adam salam and Nuh salam, there were 10 centuries, 1000 years and all those people were on Islam. No kufr, no shirk. So from the time of Adam salam, all the way till Nuh salam's arrival, Everybody was a muwahid. They believed in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No kufr, no shirk, no ascribing partners, only tawheed. That's it. Now what happened? Just before the arrival of Nuh alayhi salam, what happens is there were certain pious people, in particular the son, they were sons of Adam alayhi salam at the end of the day. Some of them who lived for very, very long. So what happened was when these pious people they started passing away. Uh, we're going to come to it in a moment where the idol worship became common at that time. How did a nation or nations that were so strong on Tawheed that there was no, there wasn't even a name or mention of Kufr or Shirk. How did that lead to idol worship? Which is a very high level of Shirk. From nothing to such a grand level of Shirk that they were not even willing to let go of those idols. Quran says, That they would say like, don't stop supporting these idols. We can never let go of these idols. In Surah Nuh, Allah says, and these were the names of the idols. Wad, Suwa, Yaghuth, Ya'uq, and Nasr. And why were they named this? We'll come to that now. These were names of pious people uh, in those times. So pious people who lived, really who were they? They were the sons of Adam alayhi salam, very, very pious individuals. So everybody was muahid, everybody was on Tawheed, everybody was on Islam, but you'd get certain people that were much more pious. So these names which have been mentioned in the Quran of the idols, in reality, they were extremely pious people. You had somebody, one of the sons of Adam alayhi salam, or grandchildren of Adam alayhi When you say son, might not necessarily be his direct son, because it's been a thousand years, it could be, could not be. People used to live for much longer. But they were from his progeny. You got somebody called Wad and Suwa and Yaghuth and Ya'uq and Nasr. These were names. Now what happened is Shaitan, of course, he whispered to these people that, you know, the pious people have gone. Uh, they, they were such an inspiration. They were motivating towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And why don't you, you know, do something to remember them? So this is the first whisper Shaitan came with to the people that, you know, why don't we do something to remember them? They were such great people, such pious people. And, you know, in the beginning, it was harmless. Yeah, well, you know, remembering the pious people, uh, you know, we have the ulama mentioned when the mention of the pious people is done, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rahmah is descended upon the mention and the remembrance of the pious people. So we also remember our pious predecessors. We make mention of the a'imma, of the ulama, of the awliya Allah. We're remembering Prophet Nuh alayhi salam and the anbiya. So this is great and there's nothing wrong with this. But shaitan had an ulterior motive. So this is how it started. So it started off harmless. Okay, remember them and do something. So what he inspired them and he sort of suggested to them is why don't you do this? That where they used to sit in their places, in their areas, wherever you used to go and visit them to listen to their lectures, maybe or whatever, why don't you make like a drawing of them? Draw them, make a picture. So at least when you go, 
you are reminded of what they used to speak about, their memories become fresh again, you get that push and that buzz once again. And they thought, yeah, that's a good idea. So they started drawing these pictures. And then when they passed away, Shaitan went to their children and said, look, the people before, they just drew the pictures, but you don't realize in reality, they used to worship them and they just think, really? And that's what he then drove them to not making statues. That these pictures, you know, you need to develop them a bit more so you can remember them. Honor, you should honor your forefathers. Give them more respect, more dignity. So then it became a statue. And from then it became an idol. And then it went on to full on idol worship. So they were worshiping these idols. In reality, these were idols of very pious people who were the children of Adam salam. So in remembering them, there's no harm. But there's a limit, there's a, there's a stage where we have to stop. And this is one of the reasons why picture making and drawing, we find in our Sharia, uh, now obviously it's, it's like, you can't even talk about it because pictures have become so common. Videos, pictures, I mean, this is live as well now. Some years ago, obviously, ulama would speak against even this kind of recording. Uh, but you know, we've advanced and there's different masail, different viewpoints and digital and this and that and whatnot. But one of the original reasons why picture making was is looked down upon in our religion is idol worship originated from pictures that's where idol worship came from now of course you know this is not going to lead to idol worship inshallah where we have recordings but this is one of the reasons and we have a hadith which are very very serious and stern bukhari the most severest punishment will be given to the picture makers on the Day of Judgment. Very stern hadith. And, and ulama have given explanations for this. Nevertheless, time isn't now to go into that discussion. It's a whole discussion in itself. And the differing views of the ulama. We're speaking about the story of Prophet Nuh alayhi salam. And also it's interesting because we started from Adam alayhi salam and we spoke about not only the beginning of Adam alayhi salam, we also spoke about the beginning of the mischief of, mischief of shaitan. Can you see how far it's developed already? So, so many, a, a whole uh, 10 centuries of Iman, okay, within moments what he's done through the whispering waswasa and the ideas that he has injected into people's minds, it started off from something good. We learned that shaitan doesn't always tell you to do something bad. Many a times, for example, you could be sitting at night and you might even get a good idea. Shaitan might tell you, uh, whisper to you, and he might advise you to maybe read some Islamic book, for example. It could even be on the seerah of the Prophet wasallam, and you could get really engrossed. And you think, well, this is really good. Rather than me watching a movie, or just talking or going on my phone or social media let me read this and you're so engrossed that you're reading and reading and reading and then you read you carry on reading till about 3 a.m. in the morning what happens now you fall asleep downstairs okay and then your eyes open maybe around six o'clock and you quickly go up to your bed what was happened you missed your fajr so that it was it looked harmless it looked very good and virtuous so shaitan is very experienced Look how he got to these people. He said something good to them. He said, look, why? these were pious people. Remember them. Draw pictures so that you can remember them. For, it can give you a spiritual uplift. And then that went on to statues and then those became idols. And then full-on idol worship started uh, at that time. So Ibn Abbas anhu says that this, this became a full-on idol worship and those were the same idols that went into the Arab countries as well, which we know of, of as today. And we find in Makkatul Mukarrama, uh, you know, being in the center of Arabia, idol worship was very common. So it must have come from somewhere. Uh, it does say there is history of the first person who actually bought idols to Makkatul Mukarrama and then spread it from there. That's a different part of the Sira altogether. Uh, so let's continue with this. So the, the people who came after, they, uh, they sort of made it even more sophisticated. So he starts off simple and then Shaitan whispered more and more and more until he told them, look, you know your forefathers, whenever they wanted rain, they would go to this statue. They would go to this picture. Make it nicer. Whenever you need rain, you want children, uh, you want blessings in your risk and your sustenance, you want success in your business, you must go to these idols. That's what your forefathers used to do. And that's what they started doing. And then it became a whole new kind of religion, or you could say it's a whole level, new level of shirk. 
And we find the narrations of Al-Bidaya, Ibn Kathir Rahmatullah says, Wad and Yaghuth and Ya'uq and Suwa and Nasr, they were the children of Adam alayhi salam. And Wad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Waqalu la tadarunna waddan wa la suwa'a. So Wad was the oldest uh, from amongst them and he was the most pious. And one of the children of Adam alayhi salam, extremely pious, and when they passed away, this is what they did. Now, I just want to speak about how dangerous the mischief of, mischief of shaitan is and how important it is for us to be alert at all times and shaitan it's his this is this is his task this is his aim his objective is that he doesn't want to go in jahannam alone he wants to take every single person with him and when he was taken out of Jannah, he told Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm going to be in front of him, behind him, on his right, on his left. Wherever he goes, I'm going to make sure that I will misguide him. And I will do this and I will do that to ensure that this insan and human being also goes in Jahannam as well. Now, alhamdulillah, in our Sharia, we have been given many, many tools, many, many ways where we can protect ourselves from the mischief and the evil of shaitan. I'm going to share with you now, inshallah, a very beautiful dua. Now, if we read this dua, you get 24-hour protection from the shaitan. It's from the hadith of Imam Abu Dawood from his sunan. And the sahaba, they say, when the Prophet wasallam would enter the masjid, he wasallam would say four, only four sentences, small sentences. And you know most of the words. Very easy. A'udhu billahi al-azim. Very easy. Now you already know A'udhu Billah. And the last one is Minash Shaitan Rajim. You all already know that. So you just need to learn the middle two. A'udhu Billahi Al-Azim. Repeat after me. A'udhu Billahi Al-Azim. I can't hear you. A'udhu Billahi Al-Azim. I'm gonna do it one more time, then I'm gonna to listen to you. A'udhu billahi al-Azim. Wabiwajhihil Kareem. Wasultanihil Kadim Minash Shaitan al-Rajim. Guys, right, so your turn now. Everybody, loudly. A'udhu billahi al-azim. Good, then. Wabiwajhihi al-kareem. Wasultanihi al-qadeem. Minash shaitan al-rajim. I seek the refuge of Allah, the Magnificent. A'udhu billahi al-azim. Wabiwajhihi al-kareem. And I seek refuge in His benevolent and kareem, noble, kind being. And I seek refuge in his eternal domain and dominion. And from the accursed shaitan and the devil. So the Sahaba who are narrating this hadith, they say, is that it? That's it. Is there no more? He says, no, there's no more. That's it. And then the hadith continues. That the Prophet wasallam says, when you say this, shaitan says, this person is saved from me for the whole day. I can't touch him. I can't harm him. I can't influence him. Sa'ir al-yawm. For the whole day. So, very powerful dua. Protection from the shaitan. Uh, so, the Prophet wasallam would read this when he would enter the masjid. Now, there's two things here. Um, one is you can read it when you enter the masjid. Now, at this moment in time, especially in the times that we're living, it's not always possible to attend the masjid for various reasons. Most of our sisters at the moment, there's no facilities for them to come to the masjid. So to my mothers and sisters, I would advise you, when you wake up for Fajr and you stand upon your musalla, read this dua first. You step on your musalla, A'udhu billahi al-azim, wa biwajhihi al-kareem, wa sultanihi al-qadim, minash shaitan al-rajim. And it doesn't have to be Fajr. It could be Dhuhr time. It could be Asr time. It could be Maghrib time. It could be Isha time. Whether you're coming to this masjid, or whether you're playing, praying at work or you're praying in your house. In the house, we have a masjid as well, don't we? The masjid of the house. So when you enter into there, okay, read this dua. A'udhu billahi al-azim wa biwajhihi al-kareem 
shaytan. Now the hadith says you are protected for the rest of the day or the whole of the day. Some ulama say day means if you read it at Fajr, then you get protection till Maghrib. Because in Islam, the day ends there. If you read it at Dhuhr, then till Maghrib. If you read it at Asr, you get protection of like two hours, one and a half hours. And some ulama say no, the night comes first and then the day. But then there's others who have said no. It doesn't mean day. When we say day, we don't just mean daytime. It means a whole day. So those ulama have said it means 24 hours. If I read it now at the time of Isha until tomorrow Isha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect me from the shaitan. Everybody will practice insha'Allah. One more time, let's read it together. A'udhu billahi al-azim wa bi wajhihi al-kareem wa sultanihi al-qadeem minash shaitan al-rajim. So he said actual dua when you enter the masjid alongside reading the other duas, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana yad'u idha dakhala al-masjid a'udhu billahi al-azim wa bi wajhihi al-kareem wa sultanihi al-qadeem minash shaitan al-rajim. So the reason is we can see how harmful the mischief of shaitan is. Look, it's taken these individuals who are on tawheed to shirk, to kufr. So we need the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. So the point of mentioning this is that now what happened in a land which was full of tawheed, idol worship and shirk started to spread and it started to become more and more common. It was at that time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to send Nuh alayhi salam to combat and fight this and to bring tawheed once again to the earth of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Prophet Nuh alayhi salam came, he called people to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He told them not to commit shirk and that the, the idols don't benefit. So although Adam alayhi salam is the first prophet, Nuh alayhi salam is the first Rasul. So in English, we generally say for prophet, for Nabi, we say prophet and Rasul, we generally say messenger. All of the Rasul were Nabi, but not all the Nabi were Rasul. All of the Rasul were Nabi, but not all of the Nabi were Rasul. So Adam alayhi salam is a Nabi, but not a Rasul. Whereas Nuh alayhi salam is a Rasul and Nabi. So the old Nabi, all of them are prophets, but certain of them are messengers. When the Prophet wasallam was asked on one occasion, he said there were 313 messengers, Rasul, 313 according to one narration. So the first Rasul is Nuh salam. Now, when Nuh salam started inviting the people, they rejected him, they denied his message, and they started harboring enmity and hatred toward Nuh alayhi salam. And they were so persistent on their kufr and their shirk. And they were so proud and arrogant that it, there was no... It, it's like as you could just tell that these people do not want to know. They didn't give him the time of the day. They were very boastful and arrogant and so content with themselves and so happy with what they were doing. They harbored enmity towards uh, Nuh alayhi salam. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very beautifully explains this. Very emotional. It's extremely emotional plea of Nuh alayhi salam talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, explaining his experience and his encounter with his people. Surah Nuh, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna arsalna Nuhan ila qawmihi an adhin qawmaka min qabli an yatiyahum adhabun alim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we sent Nuh alayhi salam to his people to warn them before a dreadful punishment of Allah comes upon them. This is what Nuh alayhi salam is saying. He says, oh my people, oh my qawm, oh my nation, I am here as a clear warner to you. Look, I don't have any personal benefit and gain in this. I'm not asking you for a penny. I'm here to give you a warning. And what am I asking you to do? Worship Allah, have taqwa of Him, and follow me. I'm the messenger. Allah has chosen me. I didn't choose myself. Allah chose me, who is your creator, my creator, and the creator of the universe. And He's asked you that you must obey me. And you know what you'll get? Look, He is giving them incentive. He didn't just shout at them, scream at them, warn them. That Allah will you know, destroy you. No, He's giving them incentive. He's telling them, If you believe in Allah, 
if you obey Allah and if you follow my ways, Allah will forgive all of your sins. Don't worry, you've done a lot of wrong. All that will be wiped away. Everything will be wiped away. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you an allotted period of life. And when the fixed time of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes for somebody to go, then there's no moving forward or backwards. Only if you know. And then he speaks to Allah and he tells Allah, He says, Oh Allah, I didn't just go to them nine till five. It wasn't just the nine till five job I did, Allah. Oh Allah, I went to them in the morning. I went to them in the afternoon. I went to them in the evening. I went to them in the night time. I went to them after midnight. I went to them at one o'clock, at two o'clock, at three o'clock. Oh Allah, I did not leave a moment in the day, in the night in which I didn't go to them. I carried on going Laylan Wanahara. Throughout the night I would go, throughout the day I would go. Oh Allah, the more I call them, the more they run away from me. I would go to them, the more I'm going to them, they're going further and further away from me. And oh Allah, the more I invited them, why? Not because I could get some fame or position or some wealth. Oh Allah, just so that you could forgive their shirk. You could forgive their kufr and they could be people of Jannah. The more I invited them, they started putting their fingers in their ears. So when I would talk to them, this is a new thing that they started doing. Every time they'd see me, they didn't want to hear even my sound, my voice. And then, and then they took it to another level. Not only did they, want, did they want to hear my sound, they didn't even want to see me. So what they would do is they would take their clothing and they would cover themselves. Nuala came, this is what they would do. So if they've got their fingers in their ears and they would cover themselves. So they don't even have to see him. Who are they do They're doing this with a Nabi. Nuh alayhi salam. You know, we said the unshakable resolve that he had, the patience and the conviction on the promise of Allah. Then he says, And they were very insistent and persistent on their arrogance and they increased in their arrogance. And thought, okay, I'm not going to give up. You can put your fingers in your ears, cover yourself, actual arrogant. Nuh said, I started shouting. I started speaking in a way that even if they block their ears, some sound will go with the hope that their hearts would soften and they would accept the iman, stop idol worship and that, oh Allah, you could forgive them. Oh Allah, then I thought, okay, let me try a different strategy. I started going to them in private. You know, sometimes when, when, when you're with the rest of your gang and friends, people act a little bit hard and they're a bit, you know, boastful and everything. But when you're alone, you know, you can speak to somebody, you can convince them. He says, I started going to individuals one by one. One by one, I try and catch them when they're alone. So I can get their attention. I can make their mind. I can make them understand. And then also go in public gatherings as well. So sometimes what happens in a public gathering, it also works. Because if one or two people say yes, 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 then the rest of the people look at others and you know, they say, yeah, yeah, we accept as well. So he said, I tried everything day, all day, all night, going to them privately, going to them publicly, speaking to them quietly, speaking to them loudly. And he says, I would say to them, he wasn't saying anything wrong. He says, Oh Allah, the way they treated me was so bad. I was saying really kind words to them. What was he saying to them? He said, Oh Allah, I said to them, Ask Allah for forgiveness. He is ever forgiving. He, don't worry about it. You've done a lot of wrong, but Allah loves to forgive sins. He is the ghaffar, the most forgiving. You ask him, he'll forgive you. And the heavens will pour down upon you beneficial rain. That's what you guys want. You're going to these idols for rain. You want rain? 
you believe in what I'm saying, Allah will give you the rain that you want. Because uh, we don't relate to this. But for them at the moment, obviously, there's a lot going on about farmers. Okay, back home in the countries, for those who are following. Now, exactly this is what it is. That's their survival, their food, their drink, their economy. Everything is based on when it rains, like uh, we, our faces drops. Oh, no, not rain again. But for those people, that is everything for them in those countries that it doesn't rain. And Allah will assist you. Allah will give you wealth. Allah will give you children. And Allah will give you gardens. He'll give you rivers. Whatever, all these things that you want, just believe in Allah. Stop doing shirk and idol worship. All of these things Allah will give you. And then Nuh alayhi salam said to them something very powerful. He says, Malakum la tarajuna lillahi waqara. He says, What's wrong with you people? Why don't you honor Allah the way you're supposed to honor Allah? Why don't you dignify Allah? Why, why don't you have any value for Allah? Allah, the one who made you, who created you, who feeds you, He gives you air to breathe, He gave you life, He is the one who caused you death. Why don't you have any hope in His mercy? Why don't you fear His punishment? Why don't you have any honor for Him? You don't dignify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas it is Allah who created you in stages. Yesterday you were nothing, and then you were a clot of blood. And then you were a baby, then you were an infant, then you were a toddler and you were a child. You know, you become, ad you know that these stages, these idols didn't make you go through these stages. It's right in front of your eyes. So this was the plea of Nuh alayhi salam, beautifully explained by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. So Nuh alayhi salam mentions here, that, Oh Allah, I didn't leave any stone unturned in calling these people to your Islam loudly quietly daytime nighttime i gave them glad tidings i gave them so told them about the rewards i gave them warnings i tried everything but i was not successful oh allah every time i'd go to them they only increased in misguidance in transgression they worshiped the idols even more and they became more and more arrogant and they had so much enmity for me and so much hatred for me that they started warning me and threatening me that they would exile me, they would stone me to death, and they would cause me harm. Then, in another place in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qala al min qawmihi. Qala al min qawmihi. So, you know, in each tribe, in each area, in each community, you've got some leaders, you know, the people who pull the strings. So these notable individuals, they started to say, We think you're misguided. You're totally lost. You've lost the plot. What we're doing is right. What you're saying is misguidance and we think that you are misguided. Now look at Nuh alayhi salam and this is the, 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 the rank of a prophet and a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How tolerant he was despite him being called misguided. Can there be anyone more guided than a Nabi? His job was of calling people to guidance. Of course he was on guidance. Allah says, these are the ones who we've guided. You follow now in their guidance. So he's been sent as a guide to people. And they're calling him totally misguided. You know what he said? قَالَ يَا قَوْمٍ Oh my people, I'm not misguided. I'm not misguided. He didn't swear at them. He didn't say, how dare you call me that? He said, I'm not misguided. Let me correct you. I'm a Rasul and a messenger from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, My job is to pass on to you the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm a well-wisher for you and I know from Allah that which you don't. Allah's told me certain things and you don't know. So he's trying to excuse them. That look, you don't know. I know. I'm a well-wisher for you. And I'm just here to pass on Allah. Allah's told me to pass this message on to you. And I'm doing my duty now. And this is the rank of a Nabi. Very, very eloquent in his speech. Very clear. There was no element of hatred or anger or revenge from the part of Nuh alayhi salam. So now 
the people started saying something else to him. They thought, right, this hasn't worked. We called him misguided. He's given us a very beautiful answer in return. So they said, Ma naraka illa basharam mithlana. Oh, no. Like, what's the, you're a prophet, right? He goes, yes, I'm a prophet. Well, what's the difference? Like, you're a mortal, I'm a mortal. You're a human being. Like, if you were really a prophet, then you'd have wings. You'd be like an angel. And people said this at the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What kind of Nabi is this? He eats food, he goes shopping and walking in the markets. And he eats food just like we do. How can he be a prophet? Prophet should have been like an angel. And Allah says, if he was an angel, you people would have said, oh, that's an angel, we're human beings. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly who he sends, why he sends them. He sent somebody from amongst them. So he said, look, you're just like us. Why should we listen to you? Give us a reason why we should listen to you. So this is one thing. You know, people who are far from the deen, people who are engrossed in the world, people who don't have reliance and trust on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is their mindset. Very interesting. So one number one, You're just a human being like us. And you know the people that follow you, they're like the lowest of the people. Look at your followers, the few people that follow you. They're like the most radil and the lowest and abject of people. Like why would, you, why would we listen to you? Look at your followers. They're like weak people. If you remember the discussion that happened between Hiraql and Abu Sufyan uh, when they went on a trade journey and Hiraql asked them questions because he heard that a prophet has come. So he asked the Hiraculus asked some of the questions and one of the questions he asked was uh, the followers of this man who claims to be a Nabi are they qawi and strong people or are they da'if and weak people and Abu Sufyan he says no they're weak people they're not strong people they're not notable individuals and Hiraqals he said yes hum atba'ur rasul yes all of the prophets the first people to listen to them were the weak people were the simple people so you know what they said Our most lowest category of people They are the people who are following you And then they said Very simple minded Gullible Blind followers So you went to them You went to them And you said to them You're a prophet And they were laughing like, Look, They just believed you they didn't investigate, they did no critical analysis, they did no research, they didn't check you out, who's this Nuh, type in Google, N-U-H, who is this, let's look at his videos, who is he all about, let's go on Wikipedia, when was he born, they didn't check anything out, nothing, they didn't check you out, they didn't investigate, they're so simple-minded, so gullible, these people, your followers, that they didn't even take out the time to do any research, and they'll believe anything. If somebody else comes and says something to them, they'll just believe it. They don't have any intellect. They don't have an opinion of their own. You told them, no, weep us. We're not going to get swayed that easily. We're, you know, we are people. We are intelligent. This is what they're trying to say. But these people that are following you, they're brainless. They, they've not even used their brain. They just, you said to them, you're a prophet. And they said, yeah, okay. We accept. And And oh Nuh, you and your people We don't see you've got any more merit than us You don't have more wealth than we have Your stage isn't, status isn't greater than ours It's not as if you've got more strength than So why would, you, would we listen to you? Rather, no, very simply put We just think you're a big liar You and your followers, you're just liars, that's all Now this is an interesting point Because Badiyar Rai you know, the Prophet wasallam mentions this as well. Uh, where the Prophet wasallam, he said that the, he was praising Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And he says, مَا دَعَوْتُ أَحَدًا إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ إِلَّا كَانَتْ لَهُ Whoever I invited to Islam, they had an initial hesitance, a reluctance, little bit. Some had a little bit more and some had less. But there was nobody, everybody who he invited, he said, they had that little bit of reluctance. They stopped for a moment. Ghayra Abi Bakr, except for Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhum. 
no reluctance, no hesitance, no question, and no perplexion. He didn't hesitate for a second. As soon as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam invite us, ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu annaka rasulullah. So this is some many people nowadays. They so it's interesting because the same people, the same people that they're looking down on, okay, and thinking them to be simplistic, they are the successful ones. They are the intelligent ones. They are the ones on the day of judgment who will be sitting on pulpits of Noor in the books of Fadail. Father Sheikh Rahmatullah mentions in Fadail al-Dhikr that nowadays people laugh and they look down on the people who make the dhikr of Allah. They're very simple clothed, eat simple food. They may sit on mats, you know, the way he has explained. And they are engrossed in the remembrance of Allah. And people look at them thinking they don't know anything about the world. They don't know, they don't have any connections. They don't know this. So today they are laughing at them, but these are the same people on the day of Qiyamah that they will be sitting on pulpits of Noor and they will be having an elevated position. And another thing we learn over here is many a times people generally look at these practicing people, friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and compare them to themselves and think, okay, you know, what's the difference? Was, you know, we're, we're the same kind of people. I remember an incident from uh, the Mathnawi of Molana, Rum Rahmatullah. I have not mentioned this for so many years, so I, I don't know if I remember the details, but it's just come to me that there was once a shopkeeper and he had a parrot. So in his shop, he would have this parrot. And the parrot talked a lot, very talkative. So the shopkeeper would come in the morning, he'd make salam, he'd re respond, and he'd keep him busy and engaged. Customers would come and they'd chat to the parrot and he knew their names and he knew what they were going to buy and everything. So they're coming in and going and this, this, the, the shopkeeper really liked this parrot. One day what happened was, uh, a, I think a cat got into the shop and it jumped for the parrot. So the parrot started flying around and because it started fluttering everywhere, it sort of knocked down some of the jars and by that time the cut ran out and when the shopkeeper walked in he noticed that the, the parrot was flying around and all of these jars uh, you know had cracked so the shopkeeper got really angry because he, he saw the mess he got his broom and he whacked the parrot on its head and you know some of the parrots have really nice hair on their head okay so when he whacked it on its head he lost all of his hair the parrot became bold now the parrot from that day onwards stopped speaking he became very cross with the owner and that's it he went into a strop sit there people would come no salam no kalam nothing he tried so many times the customers came they tried speaking to him the shopkeeper knew what he'd done obviously and he felt bad about it but whatever he did nothing worked and this happened for some time until one day the parrot was there in the shop sitting in its place shopkeeper was there and there was a man who walked past from outside and the man was bold he didn't have any hair so the parrot started squawking and he called out that man oh bold man come here I want to ask you a question did you knock down some jars as well did you knock down some jars as well did you get it okay so this is this is what happens sometimes the worldly-minded people, they look at the religious people and they look down on thinking they're just the same as us. They, they're, they're not the same. They, the people who are the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have a very special position and status in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can we compare ourselves to them? So this parrot thought that everybody who's bold, they must be just like me. They've probably done the same thing just because I'm bold. Okay, he must have knocked down some jars as well. No, there's two, uh, a whole difference. Nevertheless, so these people said, no, Islam, you're a human like us. There's no difference. The people that follow you are simple-minded. They don't question. They don't investigate. And this is, this is haq. You know when haq and the truth comes in front of you, it doesn't need any questioning. This is the beauty of our religion. Haq and truth is when you see it, without any questions, you accept it. You take it. Not start picking at it, nitpicking and going into this and this kind of analysis and this kind of criticism and, and you look at it from this angle and let, what, do, what does this research say? And up until recently, you know, it was good because people would follow the imam or the scholars that they had. But now when you've got YouTube, people are listening to all sorts of things. 
And what happens as a result of that, it just creates so many doubts. And you know, as good as it is having the access to so many Islamic lectures, but you don't know who that person is. You don't know what their ideology is. You don't know what they're sharing with you. And it sort of, so you see one person, one day they're there, the other day they're believing in something else, the other day, and this is, haq is such that you hear it and you believe it. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam praised Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Now, they didn't stop there. So they're hurling all this kind of abuse to Nuh alayhi salam. What they said next, they go, okay, if you want us to listen to you and give you the time of the day, you know all these simple, weak, low-class people, we want you to like get rid of them. Go and send them at the back. We'll only come to listen to you if you get rid of all them. Push them to the back. So these fakir, unintelligent, they don't have a brain to think, blind followers, get rid of them. Send them to the back. And then and Nuh alayhi salam refused. He says, وَمَا أَنَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا I am never ever going to drive away in contempt those people who have believed. Do you know why? إِنَّهُمْ مُلَاقُوا رَبِّهِمْ Because tomorrow they're going to meet Allah. What if they complain about me to Allah? Tomorrow on the day of Qiyamah, what if they say that Nuh, just so that he could speak to the rich people, to the ones who considered themselves as the elite of the society, what if he, they complain and they say that Nuh pushed us aside and he told us to get lost? So he says, no way, I, I'm not going to push them away. I just think you people are juhal. You are ignorant. You don't know the difference between right and wrong. This is truth. This is haq. And it seems you don't have the ability to differentiate between right and wrong. Then we find that this discussion, this debate between Nuh alayhi salam and his people carried on. It wasn't like, this didn't happen over a week. This didn't happen over a month. This didn't happen over a year. How long did this go on for? 950 years. I, I don't even think we can imagine that. As good as our imagination is. I, I don't think we can even fathom or comprehend how it would have been to carry on doing this unshakable every single day without fail especially when you're not seeing results we don't know how many people actually believed in the message of Nuh alayhi salam I mean we used to always hear there were about 80 people some said 40 people I don't know uh, there is no clear mention anywhere or I've not come across anything uh, there could be Allah knows best but what we do know Allah says only few people accepted so, and, and, and we can see that even the ones that accepted, they were looked down upon. So, this continued for a really, really long time. And as it continued, Quran says that Nuh alayhi salam remained within them for 1000 years minus 50. What's that? 950. Now, now what would happen is during this period when people would pass away or they're gonna like be leaving the world or when a child would reach the age of maturity the first or the last thing so if they're leaving the world the last wasiyah and the will and the advice they would give parting advice or when a child reaches the age of maturity the first message this is what they would pass on stay away from Nuh this is the message. And so that when, a, when a father's dying, this is what they would say to them. It was like they would ingrain it within their children and make sure that there is no way they wouldn't leave any room for anyone to have any compassion for Nuh alayhi salam. So from day one, when a child reaches their senses, even young children, they would teach them, beware of Nuh. Never listen to Nuh. And they would... Uh, uh, they would speak ill of him, they would taint him, they would give a, a, a very bad image of him so that they would not go near him, they wouldn't listen to anything that he has to say. And this continued. And what would happen is the hatred, the animosity just increased. Because when from young, when you've heard so much bad about someone continuously, especially 
like if that's the first lesson you've been taught or your dying father is leaving the world and the last thing he's told you is stay away from Nuh uh, that is that like you'll hold on to that so the anger towards Nuh alayhi salam and the hatred only increased and it increased so much so much that hatred towards Nuh became their trademark that was their trademark that is like they live for that to hate Nuh alayhi salam to reject him to call him a liar nevertheless we find that the people said Qalu ya Nuh, qad jadaltana. look Nuh Quran says you've been disputing us for a long time our dispute has prolonged it's been going on for a long time 950 years look that's it now now we're going to put you to the challenge no, if you're truthful, the thing that you've been threatening us, you've been saying that if we don't believe, a punishment's going to come. Nothing's happened. It's been 950 years, nothing's happened. If you're really truthful, bring it on. The thing that you're threatening us with, bring it. Send it down. Where is it? We want to see. You're saying some punishment's going to come. This is how arrogant they were. And Nuh alayhi salam responded to them by saying, Inshallah, if Allah wills, He'll bring it on. You're saying bring it on. Allah will bring it on. And when it comes, you're not going to be able to stop it. That's going to be too late. Right? You've still got a chance. But when the punishment arrives, there is no turning back. You will not be able to stop it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent wahi to Nuh alayhi salam Annahu lan yu'min min qawmik illa man qad aman fala tabata ismi ma kanu yaf'alu In surat Hud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Oh Nuh, no one else is now going to accept iman The people who have accepted have accepted Now, this is guaranteed from Allah No one is going to believe in you anymore So now don't grieve upon their evil actions the things that they're saying the th they're not going to believe anyway so don't make that don't let it hurt you we can see that it's hurting you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoled him and Allah told him that that's it now whoever has believed has believed no one else is going to bring iman and this was also an indication that the help of Allah is very near when Nuh alayhi salam lost total hope now Allah told him that look no one's going to believe and so that now there is no chance and there's no point of inviting them now when he's been categorically told that they're not going to believe anyway Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah says Nuh alayhi salam he called upon me Nuh alayhi salam he invoked and Allah says Fala we are the best of those who answer the prayers Allah says Nuh alayhi salam he called on to me and we are the best of those who answer the praise and we save Nuh alayhi salam and his family from the great affliction the great tragedy the great distress what's the great distress tragedy calamity what was it from drowning so Allah says we saved him and then in another ayah in Surah Al-Qamar. So Nuh salam's story has been mentioned in different, different. So that the first ayat were from Surah Al-Safat. In Surah Al-Qamar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَدَعَا رَبَّهُ أَنِّي مَغْلُوبٌ فَانْتَصِرُ He prayed to Allah, Oh Allah, I've been overcome. I, I, can't, I can't do anything now. I've done everything I could. They're just overpowering me now. I, I can't, there's nothing else I can do. So Allah, please help me. I need your assistance now. You come to my rescue. And then in Surah Nuh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ نُوهُ الرَّبِّ لَا تَذَرْ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ دَيَّارًا Nuh alayhi salam says, Oh Allah, now he cursed them. Up until now he was very kind, compassionate, merciful. But then when he was told no one's going to listen, he says, Oh Allah, do not even leave a single disbeliever on planet earth. Because, oh Allah, even if you leave one of them behind, they're going to misguide other people. And whoever they give birth to, no matter how many children they're going to have, they're all going to be disbelievers. Because that's, what, that's the first and last thing that they're advising. We've seen the whole trend now that we don't have hope. You know, the Prophet ﷺ went to the people of Ta'if and then he said, Look, don't worry. I 
is hope that from their progeny somebody will come and accept Islam. Nu alayhi salam knew because they were so strong in giving this advice and warning people about Nu alayhi salam, it became their trademark. He said, Oh Allah, don't even leave one of them, not even one. Because you might think, okay, we left one, maybe their children or their grandchildren. No. Wala yalidu illa fajiran kafara. Every single child that they will give birth to, they're going to be transgressors, sinful, and disbelievers and kuffar. Don't even leave one person. The Mufassirun mentioned that all their transgression, their kufr, their shirk, and the curse of the Prophet, all of these things came together upon them and then they were struck. This is the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Nuh alayhi salam, Nuh, you've done your dua, but dua, I will do the rest. What you need to do now is go and build the ark. The ship, the boat. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired to him and told him that, look, you've made the baddu'a and the curse now. Just one disclaimer. Once the punishment of Allah comes, there's no turning back. One is hearing and one is seeing. They say in Arabic, Information, hearing about something, knowledge, is not like seeing it. Okay, we hear about coronavirus. Those who've had it, okay, know what it feels like. When you talk about it, you think, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just an illness. You get ill, you get a bit of temperature, you get a bit of cough. Once you get it, you know. So knowing about something is not the same as seeing it or experiencing it. So same, no, you're asking for my punishment now. That's fine. When it comes, right, you're going to be in for a shock. It's going to be frightening. You're going to see your people drowning. And you might start feeling compassion. You might start feeling sorry for your people. At the end of the day, you live within them. They're your own people. It could be some of your own family members. So no, one disclaimer, no turning back. Are you sure about this? Because once the punishment of Allah comes, you can't change your mind. So this is uh, Allah says we send wahi to Nuh salam, that you start making the ship under my guidance Allah says I'm going to be watching you and according to my instructions. So Allah was sending him wahi and Allah says you are under my protection the way I tell you I want you to build accordingly. This was a ship that has never the world has never seen such a ship before, an ark. So Nuh was then told a sign. When will the punishment come? So Allah says, when our punishment will come, when will it happen? Tanur, we call Tanur the, the fire, the stove, where you cook. You know, you get the wood fires, okay, where you cook the chapatis in there, pizza dough in there. Okay, so that, this is a Tanur. Where inside you you stick it lower down and it's it's very hot. So that is where it's fire. It's very hot. Allah says when you see water gushing from the tanur, a place where fire comes out from, when you see water gushing out from there, that's a sign that the punishment has arrived. And our command and Allah has said, kun fayakun, and that's when the flood will start. I want you to do one thing. So I want you to take with you, when you see this happening, and you see that the nur is gushing, of water comes out from them, I want you to take a pair of every living being, every living creature, take a male and a female. So obviously he's going to take all the believers that were with him. And then from all the animals, take one male, one female of each type of animal. Uh, plants, for example. Or all types of creation. All types of creation. So that once again, because the whole world is going to be flooded and destroyed. So once again, when there is safety, there, all of these things, there's a pair of each of these things. So the whole system can continue. Scholars of Tafsir mentioned he wasn't told to take aboard any kind of insects like flies because only those some of the mufassirun have said only those creatures that either give birth or lay eggs give birth or lay eggs 
so that then this reproduction can continue. Whereas some of these insects, they actually grow within things. Yeah, sometimes you find some of your food packets, it might be brand new, you bought it from the shop not so long ago, and uh, you look in there and you see all these creepy crawlies in there, and you think it's airtight. How did it get in there? So a lot of times it grows inside. You have to throw the whole thing away. It freaks you out. Okay. So sometimes it's because of heat. Some can, sometimes it's because of something else. But they, they, they grow. You think, how did it even get in there? It's completely sealed. So he's told to take Zawjain, a pair, male and female, of each being, each cre living creature. And from his family members, those who accepted Iman, Except for those people regarding whom the decision has been made by Allah that they did not accept. So there were certain individuals like the wife of Nuh the son of Nuh they didn't believe in him. Allah said, no, they can't come with you. And then Allah told Nuh alayhi salam, وَلَا تُخَاطِبْنِي فِي الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا إِنَّهُمْ مُغْرَقُونَ Oh Nuh alayhi salam, don't come and talk to me and address me and request me and beg me regarding those who did not believe whether it be your wife or your son they're gonna drown Allah says I've made a decision they are going to drown they had their chance they didn't believe so please no don't come to me and say oh my wife my son no they had a chance they didn't believe in they are going to drown Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted the dua of Nuh salam and Nuh salam started making this ship now as his wayasna'ul fulk Quran says he started building the ship. When his people would pass by, they started laughing at him, mocking him. And like, what, what are you doing? On land, on dry land, you're making such a big ship. Like, you've definitely gone crazy now. We knew you were crazy, but now you've totally gone crazy. So, Nuh alayhi salam, he said, It's okay. You can laugh at me today, tomorrow we'll be laughing at you. Don't worry. You have your laugh today, tomorrow we'll be laughing at you just like you're laughing at me. And um, So, like we discussed, the hatred towards Nuh alayhi salam and Iman and Tawheed became their trademark. They just hated anything to do with Iman and Tawheed. The, the love for idol worship became, and look where it started from. And why we need the protection from the mischief of shaitan. It started off from something very simple. So now we come to... Uh, yes, so that this hatred became so strong, this inad, we call it inad. And it's like, a, it's like a arrogance with hatred and malice. They hated Nuh alayhi salam. Do you, know, do you know how strong this was? How firm they were on their hatred? It's even going to remain on the day of Qiyamah. Even on the day of Qiyamah, how the Prophet has told us, Abu Sa'id is the narrator of the hadith. Imam Bukhari has narrated this in his Sahih. Nuh and his people, his ummah, are going to appear in the court of Allah on the day of judgment. Allah will ask Nuh alayhi salam in front of everybody, did you pass on my message to your people? Nuh alayhi salam, na'am ay rabbi. Of course I did, O oh Allah, I did. So then Allah, فَيَقُولُ ummati هَلْ بَلَّغَكُمْ Allah will ask the qawm and the nation of Nuh alayhi salam, did my Nuh pass on my message to you? Did he come to you? Did he warn you? Did he give you good news about the Jannah and my forgiveness? You know what the people will say? La. No. No prophet came to us. Who's new? We don't know him. So even on the day of judgment, can you see how dangerous this the mysteries of shaitan, where it started from? That even forgetting the world, even on Qiyamah, when they know they are losing, they can see that they're going to end up in Jahannam. Even there, their inad and their hatred will be such that they will refuse that no prophet came to us. Nobody came to us to warn us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, No, your people are saying you didn't pass on the message. You're saying you passed it on? Now? No, do you have any witnesses? Who's going to witness? His own people are all saying no. There was nobody else around. 
Sohib Nuh alaihi fayaqulu Muhammadun wa ummatuhu You will say Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his ummah meaning you and I will witness for Nuh alaihi salam on the day of judgment that he did go to his people he called them for 950 years he went in the day he went in the night he went secretly he went openly he tried everything but his people didn't listen and then the Prophet says, We as an ummah, all of us will speak on that day in, as a witness for Nuh and say, Oh Allah, he did, he did, he did. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to this ummah as being وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا That you are the moderate nation and that you will be witnesses on the day of judgment so we come to the end of part one inshallah uh, we spoke about how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent nuh alayhi salam how idol worship started in the people of nuh alayhi salam we spoke about the dua to protect ourselves for 24 hours from the mischief of shaitan do you remember the dua come on one more time let me hear it a'udhu billahi al-azim wa biwajhihi al-kareem wa sultanihi al-qadeem so you read it when you enter the masjid otherwise you can read it when you go into your musalla if you're praying at work if you're praying at home wherever you are for 24 hours inshallah you'll be protected from the shaitan may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding and illuminate our hearts with the quran next week we will continue with part two of the story of nuh alayhi salam what exactly happened uh, once the punishment came, how did things move on from there? Did Nuh alayhi salam say anything? What was the nature of this punishment? And how did it all end? We will continue inshallah in next week's session. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ونبينا وشفيعنا وحبيبنا وسندنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك استغيث اصلح لي شأني كله ولا تكلني الى نفسي طرفه عين اللهم لا سهل الا ما جعلته سهلا وانت تجعل الحزن اذا شئت سهلا يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلبي على دينك يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلبي على دينك يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلبي على دينك ربي أوزعني أن أشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي وأن أعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصلح لي في ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين أعوذ بالله العظيم وبوجهه الكريم وسلطانه القديم من الشيطان الرجيم Oh Allah, illuminate our hearts with the Qur'an. Grant us a true understanding of the Qur'an. Help us to recite the Qur'an on a daily basis, O oh Allah. O Allah, help us to make preparation for the holy month of Ramadan. Grant us barakah in the month of Rajab. Grant us barakah in the month of Sha'ban. And help us to reach the month of the Qur'an. O oh Allah, increase, help us to increase in our Qur'anic recitation. O oh Allah, grant us a true love of the Qur'an. O oh Allah, grant us a life of the Qur'an. Bring the Qur'an alive in our homes, O oh Allah. Help us to follow the Sunnah in everything that we do oh Allah all our time is going to come when we have to leave the world make our last day our best day oh Allah make our last action our best action oh Allah and grant us death with Iman and Husnul Khatima oh Allah those who are ill and are suffering going through difficulties whether at home or in hospital either they have COVID or any other illness oh Allah grant them complete Shifa oh Allah grant them Afia oh Allah we beg you for a life of Afia oh Allah always keep us with Afia and good health oh Allah oh Allah grant us complete shifa O oh Allah those who have left the world fill their graves with noor O oh Allah elevate their status O oh Allah have mercy on our parents O oh Allah look after our parents O oh Allah have mercy upon them O oh Allah those of our parents who have left the world grant them Jannah to Firdaus O oh Allah safeguard us all from the fire of Jahannam O oh Allah and enter us all into Jannah to Firdaus Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun Wasalamun Ala Al-Mursaleen Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen